following is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on anything being discussed, consult your medical doctor. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Heart Health is a local call-in health show designed to educate and inform you of the most up-to-date information for not only maintaining a healthy heart, but a healthy body. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. And go ahead and call in quickly, 919-860-9783. I'm Dave Alexander. We have more doctors you can shake a stick at. Well, the doctors are here. Yes, they are. Dr. Franklin Weefold and Dr. Macon Signaltary of North Raleigh Perio. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. That's it. Good to have you here. Got a couple of stories in the news that Dr. Weefold wanted Dr. Singletary to comment on. But again, I'm going to emphasize that the show works so much better with uh, telephone calls. Niner one niner eight six zero nine seven eight three. News came out about wine not being so bad for me. Well, you know, listen, this is the thing that I think talks about when we talk about the good studies and the not so good studies. Okay. And so I'm really interested in what Macon has to say. Some people put together and these mm-hmm. people were in were in the agricultural wine industry. Well of and course. they put together, <laughs> they analyzed a bunch of the compounds in wine and said this compound A, this compound B will kill bacteria. Yeah. Therefore, it's a disinfectant, the wine is, and therefore, if you drink a lot of wine, you'll be healthier in terms of your gums. And so I wanted to know from, you know, from Macon what he thinks about this. If the study had been 5,000 people got wine and 5,000 people got water and the wine people did better than the water people, then I'd believe it. But this is a situation where you've got some researchers who are telling you to drink a lot of wine on a right. theoretical basis. Okay. Well, what do you think about this, Megan? Well, if they swish and spit, I, th- I think it might be a good idea. I mean, Listerine's got alcohol in it. but <laughs> what's, yeah. the, what's the deal on Listerine? Is that good? Well, I, you know, I just try to avoid alcohol in patients. It eventually produces free radicals, uh-huh. and that can cause cancer. Uh-huh. So I'm, I go all natural. You know, the first bacteria ever seen by human eyes was intraoral bacteria. Antoine Lohenhauer could discover the microscope. You know what he did? He dropped salt on the slide. The osmotic pressure caused the bacteria to explode. Uh-huh. Salt water rinse, swish and spit. It's cheap. That's a great idea. <clears throat> Does the salt water have to be concentrated salt? Because I know that we have a certain percentage of salt that's the same as seawater. So when you talk about exploding them with salt, does that have to be a high concentration of salt or a normal concentration of yeah, salt? That's a good question. I, you know, I haven't seen research on it other mm-hmm. than no. I usually tell patients to do a teaspoonful of salt in an eight-ounce glass of water. Yeah. Put it in the microwave for 30 seconds. Let it dissolve. Yeah. It'll stay dissolved. Switch 30 seconds and do that three or four times a day. Yeah. So that is, I know this for a fact because I use saline solution to rinse my sinuses out. That's a whole different story. So what you're saying is twice the concentration of salt uh, that you'd find in your own body. So that makes sense because what you're doing with this high concentration of salt is that the bacteria have the same normal concentration of salt that we have. So the water is going to go flying out of there and it's going to explode. Anybody with an injury to their mouth knows that you know you get that is so hard to get to get under control just the discomfort of it 
Exactly. Salt seems to help. So, so this is an important thing, then. Instead of dousing your mouth with wine that's unproven, go ahead and do a, a natural, uh, it's called hyperosmolar <laughs> rinse. Tell us how we do that. What, what, you put the teaspoon in the eight ounces. You put it in the microwave. You dissolve it. How long do you keep it in your mouth? You swish it. You obviously don't want to swallow it, right? Won't hurt to swallow it, but I swish. People who have sodium restricted diets, you want to swish thirty seconds and spit. Okay, and you don't rinse your mouth out afterwards. No. You just leave it on. Leave it there. Wow. <clears throat> A- am I correct? Because well, let's put it this way: Is Doctor Weefault correct that a lot of other body problems, a lot of disease, can be a factor? can be caused by poor dental health. And I agree with that situation. I know Macon does, too. What do you think? We've got an article here about colon polyps, but I know for a fact that heart health is much better uh, when your gums and your teeth are in good shape. And it's much worse than when they're in bad shape. Yeah, the the study you referred to about the colon polyps they they did actually did a, a study. I saw the research. Right, it's sort of bona fide research. I think so too. <clears throat> they talked about the problem with polyps was inversely proportional to how many times they had the teeth clean. So right. the more they had the teeth clean, the less they saw polyps. Yeah, and so do you think it, what they hypothesized is something called the biofilm? Mm-hmm. So that's a collection of bacteria that turn into. A, I don't know, a gelatinous uh, uh, piece of material. And this bacteria can travel through the gut and is associated with the development of polyps. I think it's also inflammation. I mean, the more bacteria that are living in your gums and staying in there and chewing up everything, the body has to respond to that in an in a, um, uh, immune response. Mm-hmm. And that right. immune response <laughs> is constantly activated, and you get more inflammation. Okay, gentlemen, how do we get more people into the dentist? Because honestly, for me and for some members of my family, talking them in to go to the dentist, it's like literally dental surgery. <laughs> I mean, when you are a metaphor for not wanting to do something, you got to work to yeah, get I mean, people in. How painful is is the stuff you do? Oh, I'm I'm gentle and painless. Oh, good, great. What do you do to make yourself painless? Well, well not you painless, but what you do painless. Well, I just uh, you know I tell first of all you know the to to get people in you know I tell them you know, you used to brush and floss to prevent decay uh-huh. or gum tissue health. I tell patients now it's to, it's your overall health. And it's real simple. The two most important parts of maintaining gum tissue health are what you do at home mm-hmm. and your cleanings. And a cleaning, a cleaning, it can be gentle and painless. And you, you just have to talk to the operator and say, hey, look, you know, I'm a dental phobic. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got a, a video of my first experience with the dentist. You know, you know, I went one time when I was eight years old. You have a video of you at the dentist? No, no, no. Discussing oh, okay. my first experience. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Discussing it. Yeah. And uh, the next time. I, I have was, a video of my first experience. Oh, sure you do. <laughs> well, this would be ugly because I, I, I ran out. <laughs> They, I ran out. With the dentist. With the dentist. <laughs> they took that medieval torture device. You check for decay. You know, yes. It hurt. Yeah. And you, know, you got the street light there and the porcelain bowl with the water trickling around. It makes you pee. And then, yeah. you know, then he, he says, you know, he turns around. They didn't teach him psychology in those days. So, you know, I'm eight years old. He, he turns around. He's fumbling in that mini drawer green cabinet. He turns around and looks at me with a syringe and says, do you want this? 
Uh, I, I said, no, that's for horses. You're not going to put that in my mouth. So, you know, he takes that belt-driven handpiece. He hits the dent, and I hit the floor. I'm out of there. You know, yeah. that 1960s Pontiac station wagon with the wings. I light the door. My mom comes out. She's, what you doing? And I said, I'm not going back in I ain't there. going back there. <laughs> Until 3M to hold me down. Oh, my gosh. The next time I'm in the dental chair, I'm in dental school. So yeah. I, I sympathize with Yes. Oh, my that. God. Well, what do you do? I mean, what are your steps to take to make what you do not painful and not something that's going to make people want to run? Well, first of all, is knowledge. You know, understanding what you're going to do. Because mm-hmm. they fear, of, you know, people have great imagination. You know, they come in and think I'm going to do a frontal lobotomy. You know, so, you know, I try to That might be enough at a month. It's a bad idea, you know. <laughs> that's true. But, you know, but then discuss exactly what the steps of the procedure, and this is what I'm going to use. You know, I used to use IV sedation. I rarely do it anymore because most of my yeah. patients come in. If they're apprehensive, I have ways of talking to them. So it's, it's basically talk therapy that you do yeah. before you start. Yeah. What about the use of benzodiazepines orally yeah. before they come in? It's an adjunct, definitely. Do you see a lot of patients' blood pressures really high when they first come in? Yes. Yeah. So what I tell my – that's a reactive thing. Um, you're scared. Your adrenaline goes up. Amen. So when I have people who do that and they can't stop, there's a medicine called clonidine. Okay, and okay. you take it an hour before you go in, yeah. and it prevents that adrenaline surge for a short period of time. And I've had people who were refused surgery like five times in a row, yeah. even though their blood pressures were under control. Yeah. They had this reactive hypertension, and, and they basically took a clonidine an hour before. Now, don't do this without your doctor's approval, because no. clonidine may not be good for you. But what do you do when somebody comes in and their blood pressure's through the roof before they – do you wait a little bit? Do you talk to them? What do you do? Well, if their their lower blood pressure, the diastolic, is above 110, I won't do anything. Listen, some dentists won't do anything 160 over 90, so that's a good thing. Yeah, but I talk to them, did you take your blood pressure medication? I'll take it again. You know, it depends on the procedure I'm going to do. I had one fellow came in who was a – you know, a 200 over 140. I said, well, you go to your doctor wow. now. Uh-huh. And the doctor said if he hadn't gone, he would have. Yeah. Would have had a well, that's aneurysm. good. But I, I think that's one of the biggest problems I see is patients get sent from the dentist office because their blood pressure was out of control. Right. But in my office where everybody's calm, right? Yeah, uh-huh, sure. It's normal. So this is a big problem. And the way I treat that is to give them some clonidine an hour mm-hmm. before they go in. Mm-hmm. He's Dr. Macon Singletary. The practice is called North Raleigh Periodontist. Are you the only one? I'm the only one in the shop. Only yes. one in the shop. I okay. love that. You know, we are a dying breed. The two and of you, just you're the I'm only. A one-man shop. I was president shop. of a 24-man group at one yeah. time. And now I'm, I used to say my, my lonesome. But now I've got 12 people. Yeah. We're a team, you know, and I'm the only doctor. And. It's great. How do you, what do you think? Oh, it's awesome. I <clears throat> it's the one on one. I got a great staff. You know, you know, it can get complicated. Uh, I try to keep it simple. We're family oriented. And you want people to come in and think that they're being paid attention to, yeah. not being run through a shop. Yeah, and I have other patients who come to me for that reason, and they say, "I went to my doctor. He wasn't there. I saw somebody else." And then the next time I went, he wasn't there yeah, or she like wasn't that. there. And yeah. I saw a completely different person. Yeah. Then the fourth time I saw the PA. And then the seventh time, um, nobody was there. I mean, it was it's just crazy. So I, I don't have anybody 
except me. And I think Macon's got the same feeling. Now, we're a dying breed. Why is that? Because the insurance companies and the hospitals, they want, oh. they want hugeness. For some reason, they think a large number of people yeah. will somehow save them costs. But I don't know if you know this, but when you go to a physician who has yeah. uh, an office in the hospital, yeah. there's something called a facilities fee. And they're allowed to charge an extra 125 bucks. Because you're going to see them in a hospital setting. So if you come to a private practitioner, even if it's a private practice with two or three doctors, yeah. you're mm-hmm. automatically saving 125 bucks for your visit. Very cool. How much insurance do you have to oh do? Oh, my gosh. Well, in terms of what I accept, yeah. Yeah, it's just about 75%, 80% of my patients. I don't have dental insurance. I just don't. I've never found it to be useful. I mean, it, do you recommend people getting dental insurance? You, I, you know, it depends. Not really. You have to sort of look at the situation, see what's going on and what, how involved you are. That's sort of what we do in our offices, you know, analyze what's going on with the patient, try to gear them. You know, this is going to take a lot, this may not. But, you know, the deal with the dental insurance is it, it cuts our fees almost a third. And right. then, yes. And then. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb. Yeah. And I'm going to say that. Medicare should pay for dental work. I think so. We've just talked about how important that is for overall health. Just imagine that investment in getting people's teeth better, reducing the need for a stent, reducing the need for colon cancer surgery. Mm-hmm. And So I'm going to go out on a limb here okay. and say we should expand Medicare to cover dentistry. Well, and, and I think preventive-wise, for, like for cleanings. For sure. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And even, you know, if somebody's got a mouthful of bad teeth and that's been going on for a long time, they should get dental care because it's going to help their entire body. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Gentlemen, I know that you would talk shop all day. Well, we, I we mean, don't you know, really gum, have all day. The so. gums and the heart are one. They are. Oh, yeah. All right. Very yeah. good. Dr. Macon Singletary, thank you very much. The website is North Raleigh. Perio, P-E-R-I-O dot com, and go to it and check out the uh, About uh, page and see all the, the staff there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Call right now and talk to Dr. Weefald. Also, we're talking about vaping today and a man, believe it or not, kept alive in a hospital because they wanted to improve their statistics. When I say kept alive in a vegetative state, in a coma, that's coming up on this show, which is Heart Health Radio, helping you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. There's an old saying that if you want a friend, get a dog. Well, now that saying may also be expanded to if you want to be healthier, get a pet. It seems that pets can lower stress hormone levels like adrenaline and cortisol, those people who've had heart attacks who have a pet have a lower chance of having further heart problems. That's Dr. Franklin Weefald, host of this show. You know, he's got a good voice. He does. We should hire him. Yeah. For Saturdays, maybe. Not, Not maybe. during the week, but you know. He might be better than Saturdays. Me. Here's the thing. He said that months ago, and there is a study out that says what? Well, it's very fascinating. And I, I, it's on my Millennia Cardiovascular website. Dog ownership is definitely saving your life. Right. 24% less overall death 
in those people who own a dog. And that's death rates per f- you know, a year, per five years. Yeah. And then the massive thing that I found as a cardiologist to be so interesting was that 33% fewer heart attack patients, bad, sick heart failure patients will die. 33% less yeah. in a year if they own a dog. Now, if you look at the medicines that we use, None of them, or maybe a couple of them only, approach that much reduction in death. So the dog is as good as an aspirin tablet. Now, my question is, there's all sorts of dogs. I mean, we have some dogs. We just open the door, and they run around the backyard. We never take them for walks. It's just not that way. Yeah, They're poodles. I'm not taking poodles for a walk. I can imagine a lap dog might be a little less stressful. Sure. And a pit bull that wants to chew your face off may not may be more stressful. They didn't separate the category. It's not exercise necessarily. No. It's the good natured feeling. See, let me tell okay. you, um, there was another study that came out that babies who were cuddled more often mm-hmm. do better in school. They ha- they reach their milestones quicker. Yeah, the whole concept is relief of stress. Because yeah. stress, emotional stress we're talking about, raises your adrenaline levels. Those adrenaline levels raise your inflammation. Yeah. More adrenaline, the higher your blood pressure, the faster your heart pounds. So the key thing about dogs, and it's not been proven, but I can tell you I think so, mm-hmm. is that they just help us relax. They take our minds off the troubles of the world, mm-hmm. and we can focus on this this creature that loves us unconditionally. Yeah that will do anything we want them to do in terms of making us feel better. So, Except for leave the couch alone, because my right. dogs will go wee-wee on the couch. And it's, I mean, that raises does my... It get you, does it get you mad? Yes, it does. Thank well, you very on. much. Don't own a dog if you don't wee-wee on the couch. Okay. 919-860-9783 is our telephone number. Believe it or not, you can call about your own health situation. And get some advice that you can then bring back to your doctor. 919-860-9783. Hospital in New Jersey. They had a patient who was nearly gone, right? Yeah, this is really a bad story. So heart transplant programs are very popular among hospitals. And I think that's a bad thing. Yeah. Because the more concentrated you, you know, the, the greater the number of procedures that are done by a hospital and by someone who has been trained simply to do transplant surgery. Well, he's trained in everything, but then yeah. focused on transplant surgery. They do better. They uh-huh. have a lower death rate. The whole system is there. So Beth Israel in Newark, they had a heart transplant program. They weren't doing so good. You know, 98%. Survival in one year yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Well, they were hovering about 90, 89%. So they had a guy named Daryl Young. He was 61 years old, and he had a heart transplant. He never woke up. Something happened during surgery, and he became brain dead in a vegetative state, which means that there was no communication to the outside world, couldn't move on commands. This is the sort of patient... You'd have the discussion with the family about withdrawing support. They didn't do it. They kept telling him, I think he's going to get better. You know, I mean, he twitched his eye yesterday. Wow. 
and they somebody secretly record. I love these secret recordings. Okay? What they do? Well, they secretly record them, and the guy was in a meeting. The head of the transplant program he says, "You're going to keep this guy alive until the next set of statistics are collected, because if this guy dies, our rate of survival dips below eighty four percent, and that triggers a federal investigation." Wow. Now. Come on. And the guy died eventually. But it, and I feel sad for the family um, because they were under the impression the whole time that they held out hope that um, Daryl would survive. And they held out no hope. And the only hope they had was that he lived long enough or they could keep him alive long enough yeah. to pad their statistics. Unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, I hate when I hear these things. It's just like the thing at UNC with the, the, the pediatric heart surgery program. Yes. Where they care more about their program than they do about the individual patient. Now, what do they say? They say, we have to have good statistics in our program so we can keep our program alive and we can save more people. Right. The answer is shut your program down, mm-hmm. send the patients to you know a hospital in New York like NYU or Columbia, which is across the river, and then they'll survive. Then they'll say, well, then we'll lose that halo effect, and that's what we call it, the halo effect, the angel above the hospital. We can do yeah. heart transplants. Therefore, we can do your gallbladder surgery better, which is hocus pocus. I mean, the guys who are doing the gallbladder surgery aren't the guys who are doing the heart transplant. Right, right. It's okay. really sad. So the Walk for Hope is tomorrow, 31st annual Thad and Alice Your Walk for Hope to find, hopefully, a cure for mental illness. Uh, it's at the Angus Barn. Their website is, uh, well, it's funny. It's, an, it's a tough website to remember, but it's app.org racereach.com but don't do that just go walk for hope yeah if you google, google it, walk, for, walk hope. for hope raleigh you'll find out about it um also the north carolina wine festival is coming up on october 26th we are going to be there and if you hiccup during that program we're gonna just gonna sound non-medical well, uh, why is that they think that people who are drunks hiccup and I, I i have no idea more heart health coming up now back to Heart Health with Dr. Franklin Weefold on AM680 WPTF. Helping you get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation. This is Heart Health Radio. Oh, by the way, hearthealthradio.com lit up about Wednesday afternoon. So our website is there. Uh, and I will spend some time today putting some links that we used on the show today. Absolutely. And then we'll link to the podcast, which is on WPTF.com, and it's also on iTunes. iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're big on medical misinformation because yes. it, apparently any knucklehead can run a study, and they are. Oh, and it, it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, and, I think this wine thing that yeah. we talked about earlier might be a good thing. Right. But... I mean, it's all theoretical and hypothetical, and you can't make the jump from saying, hey, something's in this wine that we think may kill bacteria. Therefore, it will help your gums. Therefore, eat it or right. drink it. Right. Well, here's a great thing, okay? The, the, it's a study in Japan, and it, it's about prostate cancer. And so the Japanese are really big on mushrooms. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, they yeah. are really into mushrooms. Okay. And they claim that the people who eat more mushrooms have less prostate cancer. So what mm. they did was they looked back on all these people with prostate cancer and they asked them, how many mushrooms do you eat a week? Well, number one, I mean, you remember how many mushrooms you had? I have not the slightest idea. And so the whole idea that you're going to just go out and eat some mushrooms and you won't get prostate cancer, yeah. I wouldn't believe it because it's not been shown. Who knows how many mushrooms they ate in the last month as opposed to I the do. last 20 years? I do. You do? Zero. Zero. Okay. The fungus. And you don't, yeah, but. I don't know. I just don't like them. All right. Melissa is on line one. She's in the waiting room. Let's not leave her there very long. Hi, That's Melissa. It. Hey, I have a question for Dr. Weevil. Hey. Hey. So um, from what I learned, there is a thyroid, and of course, and then behind the thyroid, there are four little tiny thyroids, one called the parathyroid. Yes. And I wanted to know a little bit about that. If that's elevated, say it's like one... 30 and it should be under 80 like what what is it and what does that mean is your calcium high um do you know if your calcium yeah the calcium level is associated with an overactive parathyroid all right so the thyroid is a gland and the gland produces a hormone and it's right there under in your neck in men it's below the adam's apple (laughs) in women it's below the eve's apple no there's no such thing as an eve's apple so the thyroid in response to brain signals produces what's called thyroid hormone and there are like three of them and T4, T3, blah, 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 blah. But what they do is they regulate metabolism. So if your thyroid is underactive, you gain weight. Your hair gets really coarse and nasty. If your thyroid is overactive, your heart pumps real fast. You lose weight. In fact, there are people who prescribe thyroid hormone for, for weight loss. Don't do that. So the thyroid gland is has to do with this hormone. Now, there are four little dots, I like to call them, dots of tissue on the outer portions in each each corner yeah. called the parathyroid. What's that mean? That means para means they're near the thyroid, around the thyroid. And they are primarily to regulate calcium levels. So a lot of people with renal failure um, have parathyroid problems. But there is a disease called primary hyper, H-Y-P-E-R, which means too much parathyroid um, tissue or, no, I'm sorry, hormone production. Mm-hmm. And so the, the treatment for that is they take your parathyroid hormones out. Now, what's the problem with that? Is that when you have no parathyroid hormone, um, you have no area to produce it, then your calcium goes really low. So you know what they do? Uh. They keep one. But you know where they put it? In your arm. They Seriously. move it? Yeah, they move it. And apparently when oh it God. goes into your arm... It works better. So tell us about your, you want to talk about your situation, how you're feeling, what's going on, what are they, what are they planning on doing to you? Uh, so, okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. I, I actually am calling for my sister. And oh, that's hers, okay. And hers is um, high. Well, I don't know what's high. Do you know what is high? Uh, the numbers, no. You know, that's something that I Google now. Uh, when I was in med school, I used to know every single number, every single thing, you know, all these lists of all this stuff. And gotcha. I keep my mind clear so I can listen to the patient. Gotcha, gotcha. But if it's high, then it probably the calcium's high. And a high calcium can lead to some bad things. Um, you can calcify uh-huh. your arteries. So, <laughs> well, what are... Wh- 
what could be, Melissa, the symptoms that your sister is having okay, that would so make muscle, them look in that direction? So muscle ache, yep. um, um, like um, just, you know, having trouble moving. She's on, um, oh, what do you call it, uh, anti-inflammatory, yeah. what do you, prednisone. Yeah, ooh, that's um, bad. And, and so they checked that just to see, and it was high, so now she has to go to an endocrinologist, yes. which I guess she can't get in until yeah. February. Uh, is that a warning? Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Did you just say February? Yeah. Where does she live? Canada? In New York State. Oh, boy. Here's what she needs to do. Is she needs to find another endocrinologist. Now, you may think the best endocrinologists are the ones who have high waiting, long waiting lists. That's not necessarily true. It might mean they're lazy and they don't want to take new patients because they want to get in and out of the office. Now, I'm not saying that's the case. She should not wait that long. Okay, that's three or four okay. months. That's that's Britain, British type medicine. So, yeah. bottom line is she's got to be willing to travel um, because I think it's really important that she gets this care. So what you might do, and this is, this is what I agree in, uh, agree on in terms of Googling. Google endocrinologists in that area, maybe even okay. with a 200 mile radius and find one and get her in there. Okay. Melissa, thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Bye bye. This is Heart Health. The telephone number is 919-860-9783. I got something in my email the other day. People know I work for a school district, so I'm uh, technically a state employee on that health plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing, by starting in November 1st, yeah. my plans. And, and Medicare is also I, doing Yeah, this. Medicare plans are coming up, too. And I, I don't know if you know that President Trump is pushing these in Medicare Vantage, Advantage plans, okay. which is basically private Medicare. So what happens? Blue Cross Blue Shield, for example, I'm not picking on them because I think it's a great organization. There are problems with Blue Cross, but they're a great organization. And they provide a Medicare plan. So a senior will sign up for a Blue Cross medical, Medicare Advantage plan. They take a certain amount of money from Medicare per that patient. Okay. So Medicare will pay them. Yeah. And then Blue Cross says, we're much better at, you know, restricting unnecessary testing, um, providing preventive programs. And I actually think my Medicare Advantage patients do well. The problem is a lot of patients go to these brokers, and the brokers will sell them a plan. And I mean sell them a plan. And remember, that broker needs to make money. So he's going to try to steer you to a plan where he makes the most amount of money in terms of a cut from Blue Cross Blue Shield for promoting. I've seen a lot of patients get into high-deductible plans because it's only $50 a month. Well, the reason why is because you're going to pay $6,000 or something before you see any benefits. So the other thing is they find out their doctor's not in their, um, in their network. So the two things I think are really important before you sign on the dotted line is say, what are your out-of-pocket costs? Because you may say 50 bucks or 100 bucks at a monthly premium, but you're going to pay that back. I mean, there's no way. There's no free medical care. Now, find out. And don't, and don't let them bamboozle you. A lot of these brokers will say, yeah, yeah, sure, your doctor's in there. Get it in writing. Look. Go on the website. Make sure. And then also ask if there are out-of-network benefits because there may be some really good doctors that you want to see that 
don't happen to be in that network, yeah. and you won't be able to see them. Or you'll have to pay more money. Now, as far as the commercial plans are concerned, yeah. the deductible is the key. And my, I had to get a $6,000 deductible for individuals in order to afford to provide medical insurance for my company. What does that mean for the employees of your company? That, oh, $6,000 What I do, no, I self-insure them on the okay. deductible. So I'm oh. a rare person, okay? I'm taking a gamble that 12 of my employees will not need the $6,000 deductible. But guess what? It, I save $50,000 a year by having a $6,000 deductible. Uh-huh. So I have my employees turn in their their receipts, and I reimburse them wow. for their deductible. And they love it. I'm trying to keep my employees healthy and happy. But I'm taking a gamble. I'm self-insuring myself on the deductible. And so far, it's worked. Yeah. I've had only one employee use the deductible. But if somebody gets a Medicare uh, Advantage. Advantage program and they have a high deductible, they know they're going to have to spend that money. Oh, and it's so surprising because, you know, they switch plans. Yeah. And last year, a certain medicine cost them $4. Right. They go get their January medications. Yeah. And they say $1,000, please. Yeah, that's And not- they go nuts. And I don't blame them. Yeah. So I would recommend that you call Blue Cross directly. You call Humana directly because they'll sell you a good policy because they're getting all the money. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Now, here's my recommendation. If you can afford it, these these are two hundred and forty dollars a month, two fifty a month, in addition to your Medicare premium. See, people think Medicare is free. It's not. You've paid into it your whole life, and then there's a premium. Yeah. Okay. Medicare has a program, or these drug companies. I mean, excuse me, insurance companies have a program that's called Gap Insurance. Okay. It's a a supplement insurance. Yes. Outpatient Medicare pays 80%. The 20% is, quote, unquote, out of pocket. My, if I, When I go into Medicare, I'm going to get regular Medicare, and I'm going to buy from AARP, and I'm going to just promote this because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's the best plan. Blue Cross has a pretty good one, too, but it's called Supplemental Insurance to cover that 20%. Now, remember, there's Part D also that covers prescriptions. So it's complicated. Yeah. Brokers may help you, but you've got to have yeah. an honest broker who's not in it for just himself okay. and is going to steer you to a plan he he benefits from. We need to do a special. We need to grab another hour somewhere and do a special with I don't know, uh, Bill Alexander from Asset Protection today. Yes. And 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 anybody else we can get in who does this brokering yeah. or who's Politically against yeah, because, all you know, this we program, can talk right? about health and we all can right. talk about pills, but if you don't have the resources to see your doctor and buy your medicines, then you might as well not be getting medical care. Right, right. You're yeah. absolutely It's just right. as important as anything else. Any question about what you just heard, which was very complicated, 919-860-9783. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned something that if you have had heart symptoms, heart problem symptoms, and told nobody about it. I wanted your phone call. I didn't get a phone call then. I'm hoping now. 919-860-9783, because I have a story to tell. Also, we're going to talk about 
Uber and Lyft ride-sharing services hitching onto Medicaid? Yes, and I think, you know what? I don't like Uber. I use yeah. it every now and then. Yeah. But this is a great idea. Okay. And sleep. It's more important than you you ever imagined, really, for young people and old people. That's And guess who's going to be sleeping during the next commercial break? I snore so loud. Franklin Weefold. 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout, throw my head back and shout, come on now, don't forget to say you will. This is the uh, famous shout-out segment on Heart Health. Infamous. Yeah, infamous. Well-known. Um, and what we're doing is shouting out people who've done something or, or had something happen that worked out well. Well, you know, I, I, an unsung hero group is the – well, they're sort of sung, the American Heart Association, and I wanted to shout them out. Um, the AHA, as it's known, is one of the best organizations I've ever dealt with. You know, there are some who claim to be, you know, charities, and they do good, and they really don't. This group does good. Yeah. Education for the public about heart health and stroke health. But they also do something that I think people don't realize. They fund a tremendous amount of research into the reduction of death and the prevention of morbidity and mortality in, in heart problems. If you get a chance um, and you like to, to look on the web, is the American Heart Association website. AHA, just Google it. I think it's AHA.com, but don't quote me. And it's a wealth of information that I, I've never seen fake news on the AHA website. And the other thing to remember is that every year they have a meeting, and it's one of the most important meetings for cardiologists in the country. And we go and we learn stuff that's just absolutely amazing. And so, you know, if you get a chance, donate to the American Heart Association. You are helping millions, literally, of people around the world because the AHA is now an international organization. And I'll be going to the AHA convention, and yeah. I'll be learning, and I'll actually, maybe we should broadcast from the AHA. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right, yeah. it's heart.org, American Heart Association. They might also own the .com. AHA.com. Or org? Is some, I don't know. Yeah, no. I, I'm just telling you that yeah. AHA.com is a digital products company. Whoops. Heart.org is where I've gone. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. if you want something on Google, you can actually ask the question. Sure. You can say, what is the website for the American Heart Association? And boom, it comes up. My shout out is to everyone associated with tomorrow's 31st annual Thad and Alice, your walk for hope. Start at the Angus Barn, gather there tomorrow, and I know that you're doing a good thing for good people and for yes. uh, an attempt to one day find a cure, and I know it's going to be multiple cures for mental illness. And and there's no more important thing. I think mental illness is, is not looked upon as a physical problem. Right. It is. Right. And People there's no will. difference than diabetes or high blood pressure. Yep. And the stigma associated with mental illness is wrong. And we've got to get over that. And one of the things that the, the Walk for Hope will do is promote that concept that mental illness is no different than any other illness. Right. And we need to focus on that. Right. 919-860-9783. 
Very good. Also, a, a slight shout-out to the uh, wine festival. Absolutely. Which is coming. I say slight because, you know, there's no immediacy on this. But October 26th is uh, the North Carolina Wine Festival. Uh, it's the fifth annual. It's at the Coastal Credit Union Midtown Park at North Hills. We will be there. Right where I live. Continue shouting them out between now and then. Absolutely. All right. Very good. Now, this whole thing with sleep. You want to talk about that first? Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big believer in sleep. And, and when I was uh, in residency, we, we wore T-shirts that actually said, sleep is for wimps. Okay. And this concept that when you're sleeping, you're wasting time, that you could be doing something else. Yep. Well, here is an amazing, not amazing story. Okay. So that, you know, the Fitbit, everybody wants a Fitbit. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys set out to prove that the people who were more fit by their Fitbit got better grades. You know what they found out? What? Didn't happen. No. 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 But they did find out something I think more important is that those Students who slept at least seven hours a night and went to bed before midnight. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. That's good. Because some of these kids were going to bed at 2 a.m. and waking up at 10 a.m., which is what young kids like to do. Yeah. Of course, their grades were bad because they, they missed class. Right. But if you go to bed at 11 yeah. and you sleep till 6 a.m. or 7 a.m., your grades are going to be better. Now, I remember I never pulled an all-nighter. Until one night when my senior thesis was due, and I hadn't printed out yet, and I spent all night getting it printed out, I felt terrible. Now, when I got to Johns Hopkins, I pulled all-nighters every third night. And what a disaster for my health. I went nuts. I mean, you think I'm nuts now? You should have seen me then. So another shout-out. There's a nursing student who's a good friend of my daughter's. Kelly Gray Barrow. She's discovered... Sleep is important. That's good. And so now she's getting better sleep. And so shout out to her. Tell all your nursing students in in East Carolina to go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. Just get... And when you wake up, your mind will be good. And I think the biggest problem is there's so much socializing. I'm not saying Kelly socializes too much, but there's so much socializing that they don't want to miss. It's the fear. Oh, yeah. It's FOMA, fear of miss FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. But if you want to do well in school, if you want that 4.0, study hard, play hard, and sleep a lot. I literally had auditory and visual hallucinations. On one or two occasions, when I worked in radio on a weird shift. What was your shift? It was the morning show, but I had to get there you know, multiple hours beforehand, and I lived nowhere near the radio station. So I was up at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. So you were interviewing Ronald Reagan, but he wasn't there. I, I wasn't. I was driving in, and <laughs> I saw things which I later realized could not have been there. Well, here's the thing. I might not be here today except for a... a a uh, what you call it? A good citizen, the Samaritan. Yeah, I was driving home at seven p.m. after having been up for thirty-eight hours, yeah. and I hear this horn honking, and a really loud horn honking. Yeah, and I suddenly woke up, and I was about to go through a red light and get get hammered. And so sleep is so critical. They don't do this anymore at Johns Hopkins, by the way. Yeah, I mean, there's a night shift person, and. 
people get sleep, and it is as Good. essential as anything else. Now, okay. one more thing about sleep. It's yep. associated the less sleep, either due to sleep apnea or primary insomnia. Now, primary insomnia is a very bad thing. We need to do more research on it. But it's associated with a higher risk of Alzheimer's, a higher risk of heart attack. And so my primary care physicians, who I share patients with, get mad at me frequently because I'm discovering sleep disturbances in, in my heart patients. And I, I tell them, I got to do this because my um, uh, loyalty is to the overall heart health. And I can tell you right now, they do better when we correct their sleep disturbance. I have sleep apnea. I wear the CPAP mask. Uh, you're telling me that I was damaging myself all that time when I was just snoring loudly and, and doing the... Yeah. It's not the snoring. It, the snoring is a sign okay. that your palate, that hunk of tissue in the back of your throat, yeah. is blocking the flow of oxygen and air. You have to be in a deep sleep for 20-minute cycles, three yeah. times a night. You're paralyzed. You have to breathe through your nose. The reason why you're paralyzed is so your muscles can open up the lymphatic channels, drain out the poisons. The same things happen in your brain. That's how you get refreshed because your brain is constantly producing toxins. So there's a new mask out. It's been around for a while. It's called a nasal pillow. The number one reason why people can't treat themselves for sleep apnea is because of that huge mask over their face. It's uncomfortable. They're claustrophobic. Yeah. This goes in your nose and wraps around your ears. There's nothing over your eyes, but you got to put a chin strap on. Okay. So your mouth doesn't open. Yeah. And I found this. Some people can't take it, but I found that to be the easiest thing. The second issue with CPAP is you got to clean that device because you'll just keep infecting yourself. And so people quit it because I got sinus conditions from my CPAP. They didn't clean it. Now, it's expensive, but that one you see on TV, I can't remember the name of it. You put it in there and turn it on, and it steam cleans it. That works. But don't use harsh chemicals. I saw another person get really sick because his wife, and I'm not criticizing women here. This is just the story. His wife was cleaning it with Clorox. That's not a good idea. Not a good idea at all. All right. Well, that has been and is Heart Health for this week. Go to hearthealthradio.com, especially later today, and I'll get the links up that we used in the show today, and you'll be able to do that and get a link to WPTF.com where we have our podcast. Absolutely. The proceeding was meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action on what was just discussed, consult your medical doctor.